Viv, where does 007 invest his savings? Where does 007 invest his savings, Jock? Bonds. Stocks and bonds. You no, know, I I actually knew it, but you know, I just thank you for humoring me. I mean, oh my god, I, you know, uh, why are low carb diets so controversial? Why are low carb diets so controversial, Jock? They go against the grain. Kamichiwa, Biff. Yeah. Well, how's it going? Things are well. Jock. Things are well here in the great shitty of Lowell. Uh, hello, everybody. It's Carnival personnel. Uh, Biff, let's get right into it. Last week on the sideshow that I had to fly solo, sadly. Yeah. Uh, my buddy Tom was just awesome. He is one of the more fun and fascinating people that I know, that I've always known. Uh, not always known. I met him early 2000s, you know, pitching TV shows, but truly an overall good dude who's doing good things globally. Uh, great, great. You know, uh, it was it was a fun it was a fun it was a fun sideshow. And we just recorded next week's sideshow, which was a fun sideshow. But it's always a little bittersweet when we're doing a sideshow. Yeah. For somebody that we like, uh, like the great Charles Grodin, who recently passed away. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And obviously one of those classic guys, you you know, it, I, I don't think he was in that. There's a documentary about, weren't you in that movie kind of a thing? But he is one of those guys where people recognize, I've seen him in that movie. I don't remember which one, but he's, you know, so he's that guy. He, he is definitely yeah. the top of the heap of, yep. oh, right, right, right. He was in that. That's him. Yeah. Um, yep. Also, you know, lost it lost this past week is Paul Mooney. Right. He's one of those comics where I, I, I it would be disingenuous to do a sideshow for me because I know his body of work, but he's not like, oh, my God, I loved him. Everything I've seen him in, you know, but I probably know. 10%, 20% of his catalog as as Joe would say, well, because I'm a racist, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And, you know, it's it's one of those deals where he also did a lot of, I guess, uh, and, you know, I know nothing about him, but, you know, I've seen that he's, he did a lot of work for uh, uh, Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor and so on. So it's one of those things where I've seen people post, hey, if you've heard, if you thought, you know, Eddie Murphy was funny or if you thought Richard Pryor was funny, then you're laughing at Paul Mooney jokes kind of a thing. Right. right. So, right. yeah, he, he, he works with, the, you know, the biggest, you know. He stayed in that space yeah. and, and no idea if by choice or that yeah. was just, um, but yeah. So last week, you know, you know, Charles Grodin passed Paul Mooney and we did the sideshow, uh, things come in three. So I'm hoping that, you know, all the other 75 plus, you know, age comedians are putting themselves in bubble wrap, <laughs> stay, yeah. staying put. So they say anyway. Yep. And anything new and exciting happening on your world these days, Biff? And aside from, you know, I'm just happy to be back on the ice uh, and the fact that NHL, you know, it's that convergence of all of my hockey kind of coming together at the same time, right? So right. it is hockey season. Right. It's it's it, it's 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 the playoffs and you're back on there. Is this your third skate coming up tonight? No, it's gonna be like my fifth or so. And it's just yeah. FNH or you anywhere else. I have not done anything else at this point, mostly because I'm I've been just so out of shape that um yeah. 
I'm not gonna even try to do extra stuff. So I think I'm I think I'm pretty close to I'm last week I felt about maybe 60% so of where I wanna be. But uh, on my end, I'm getting close. I'm getting close to having an official first draft of the script I've been working on for a, a while now. Nice. Um, I feel very, very, very good about it. It's it's kind of at a frustrating slash fun phase because now it's the final draft, the final read through, and doing punch up. And I've I've been able to wrestle Joe. Um, you know, put put it put him in a jujitsu hold and get him to <laughs> get him to agree to you know zoom with me. Uh, he actually came over last week, and it was the first time in a long time we sat here and just worked out comedy. You know, right, right. And it's on Zoom. It's great. You and I are zooming, and it's great. There's a little different energy, you know, being in the same room. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You can't. There are some aspects of just being in person that you just can't be, right? So, yeah, and it, it it's true. You know, there's 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 joking in the locker room, and there's talking about the jokes you had in the locker room before yeah. type thing. And but it has. Yeah. It's you know, we did it last week. We we zoomed a couple times this week, and Joe and I, 50, 60, 70 ish percent of the time share a brain, but mm-hmm. it's it's the diversion where. I'll see, I'll, I'll say this and he'll say that. And which is great because it's like, oh, right. That is a f- saying the exact same thing, but it's a little, it's, it's that 20% funnier that way. Or yep. he'll say it this way, which makes it just a tad bit funnier, but it triggers me thinking, what if we said this that triggers him saying that? And so the process that process has been fun. And so what's going to happen is hopefully over the next, I have a self-imposed deadline of June 1st, which is a fictitious, I not pulling a number out of the air, but at the beginning of the year, I'm like, here are the goals. Here are the markers yep. to stay on track. I don't want to turn it into what I have to turn it into unless it's right, because it goes from the past I'm doing with Joe to my friend, Jenna, who will, um, you know, on, uh, She'll she'll clean it up. She she you know she's an amazing editor. She's also very funny herself. So she'll come back and say, "I fixed all this, but I flagged these four places where." And and, and she's been great. She's some of her notes are like, "You're funnier than this." Like like, <laughs> and, and, and 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 she can be so cold yep. and just right in my face about it because she she's right. You know what I mean? She'll be like, "This is funny." But come on, and she she came. She goes. You can jock this up more than that. Come on. You're, no, you're I mean, ult- ultimately, that. right? I mean, it's it's. I mean, I mean, you're you're at, you actually are. Uh, you know, you don't have the you know the godlike egos to understand that what what ultimately what you probably want is the best product possible, right? I mean, that's ultimately what it comes down to. And it's so. great. And, and it's great that. You know, Joe will say, yeah, this is funny, but this can be funnier that she can say, yeah, this is OK. You can go out with this. But and, and she'll either make a suggestion saying, hey, think about this or think about this. Or she'll just be like flat out. It's like, you know, come on, you're better than this. You can jock this up. And to be able to have people like that who are who are talented and funny, it's it's made this process. When, when, when I when I make a list 
of all the things I've ever wanted to be in life. You know, I wanted to have my number retired by the Bruins, obviously, first and foremost. You know, I wanted to be, you know, the the next Keith Moon. Why would you bring that up first? I mean, I think your first should be, I mean, really the order is Stanley Cup, yeah. right? No, no. And then the second is Stanley Cup with the Bruins, yeah. right? And then the third would be, you know, Olympic gold medal, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. so let's, 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 you went straight to, no, that's, you know, that's so basically you went to Cam Neely, right? You went to Cam I, Neely. No, Instead no, of going, I want to, I, I, look, I, you know, I, you could have gone to like Bergeron, but you went to Cam Neely first. And so, but when I think, you know, then I wanted to be Keith Moon in a generationally decisively, you know, top three band of that era type thing. And then, you know, but all, all along, even as a kid, you know, seeing Oscar Madison, I always want to be a sports writer or, or, or comedy writer. So even though this, this will not get read by anybody, well, it will get read by a couple of, anyways, it won't go anywhere. And I know it, but I'm, well, we enjoying, hope it will, right? right? We hope it will. But I'm, I'm yeah. loving the process. Yeah, you know, and it's the same thing. So that is moving ahead. I'm I'm very excited to send it out. You know, even to, like you to, to you and yep. Tommy. Uh, and it's funny because you, you, in writing, they call it you. You know, you have to be able to kill your babies. And right. When I started it, you know, I was writing jokes. You know, for Joe in, in the script that are for Joe that are for, okay. that are for you and All Star Tommy right. like specifically, and and as each pass went by, I you know I had a comb you know comb the clubs out. It's like this is funny to your five friends in this part of your life. This is funny to four people over here. You know, uh, but I am I'm I'm excited to put it out there. The process has been fun. Uh, it's been Joe's been so crazy helpful. Um, you know, Jenna has been just you know instrumental. So it's been it has been a fun process. Also. When I was getting ready to do these tours that haven't happened, obviously because okay. of COVID, and maybe I really last year at this time enjoyed writing comedy with Joe and getting ready to do stand up. Actually, the year before, like November and December of 19, I started because the tours were supposed to start in March. Okay, yeah. Well, then, you know, I, I, there's no, you know, obviously there hasn't been open mics. There haven't been this. So I put together this little collective, which again, Jenna was part of, my friend Caroline was part of, you know, Joe was part of, and a few other friends. And it's been really fun punching up material together to the point where I've actually reached out to a couple, um, uh, I, no, I don't, I don't want to say clubs. There's this one place it's called Mill Number no. Five in Lowell. Uh, it's, it's an eclectic like collection of 20 indoor it's it's one building it's a refurbished building and i'm not going to say this word right ellen it's one of ellen's favorite words there's an apothecary okay. in there if I'm okay yeah right. yeah 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 there's a soda fountain you know store there's a mom and pop coffee shop there's a comic ish a collective sci-fi bookshop and they have this 80 seat theater called the lunar theater that they show old horror movies every Monday night, or they have weirdo Wednesday and they have these different things. And so I actually had a conversation with the guy today. I'm going to be talking to a couple other people locally. Um, one of the guys I've been working with uh, who lives in Worcester or outside of Worcester, Worcester, maybe do something in Worcester where I don't want to just put together an open mic. Those are fun. Those are great. I need to get up and see if my jokes are funny. <coughs> Not just to the people who know, 
you know, when I'm talking about Ellen, you know, Ellen's mom, you know what right. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can I, can I make these jokes funny? You know, and for me, it's, can I, can I talk about my mom, my, my mom-in-law's, um, my deceased mom-in-law's boyfriend who spoke no English, who lived with us for three years or two years. Can I make it funny without it being racist? You know what I mean? And it's, it's been fun working, uh, you know, through that process, but I want to put together a community and a collective where you're not just coming in and doing stand up. Part of the thing is you kind of don't just sit there, wait to do your five minutes and then go or do your five minutes and for politeness have to stay uh, that you have to um, punch up other people's stuff, you know, because that yep. for me, you know, and this thing I've been doing once a week online for the last few months, it's great. And again, you know, Jenna is just savagely. And she's done a she's done a bunch of stand up herself, and she is just, you know, really, really. That's okay, but you know, try this or do this, and you know, to be able to do that with a group or to be able to, you know, and again, you have to. You already said it, you have to check your ego at the door. You know, <laughs> right. you have to be willing to say, right, right. Um, you know, and uh, look, I rather Joe say that's not as funny as you think it is, than you know, finding out. Look bombing is great that's where you really learn bombing you know if you win every game you don't get better because you're not challenging yourself so you know getting out there there will nothing you can practice all you want but game time and and important games is where you really make your medal uh same thing you know getting stage time is the really the key to all this and you know learning how to bomb well learning to learn from bombing but this whole process has been fun so that's now that things are starting to open up i'm not looking to run out now even though massachusetts numbers are fantastic um and they're lifting everything next week i'm still not going to go to a bruins game like if they get to round two if they get to round three and and i have tickets you know thrust upon me i i'm probably most like i'm i am gonna say thank you but you know look if it goes to a game seven and we're in the finals and we're talking two months from now and and, and maybe the numbers are much better you know, we'll see because my 12-year-old is getting – I'm sorry, my 13-year-old is getting his first shot on Monday. So, right. like I said, the state is in a good place, but I'm <clears> looking <throat> to do stuff the end of summer, beginning of September. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I I think, you know, certainly um, your kids not being, you know, uh, you know, that – I mean, with the, with – People with little kids, I think it's a different. Um, my household, everybody would be vaccinated in a, in a in about ten days, and so and then two weeks after that, the vaccine would be in effect. So I think at that point, you know, we would loosen a lot of things up. Um, I mean, we've kind of loosened it up at it, as it is, but certainly when both all three of us had the vaccine and had the waiting period, I think that that'll change things a lot for I mean, us. We're we're so close, yeah. You know, so in in our state. You know, outside, you don't have to wear that. And and my little guy's doing baseball, and he's 11. And up, the, he had a game on Tuesday, and you had to wear masks in the yep. dugout in the field. On yep. Thursday, it's been lifted, and he isn't sure. And look, if you feel comfortable wearing a mask, wear goddamn masks. You know, if you're vaccinated and you still want to wear a mask, you know, I don't think anybody should not feel okay to wear a mask. And I told him, it's like, dude, if you don't want to wear a mask playing, you know, uh, left field, you know, big, big move, by the way, they moved him from right field, left field. I'll talk about that in sports. But I said, if on the bench you feel comfortable, put it on, buddy. Yeah. You know, it's fine to put it on. And, 
we're so close. We're so close as a family to getting it all done. And as a society, you know, we are getting, we are getting there in our state and our area, but yeah, I won't be going to a Bruins game. Um, at least the first two or three rounds. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, you know, Biff, I want to, I, and, and I'll edit this out if we've already talked about it and my, and my concussion diseased brain has forgotten about it. But my wife, just I don't know what made her ask me a few weeks ago. Uh, I think it was maybe the twentieth time I've watched Endgame in the last six months, and okay. she says, "So is Empire Strikes Back still your favorite movie, or is it now Endgame?" And she, based on knowing me for nearly twenty years, uh, based on the fact that I just about three weeks ago, bought a new charger. It's one of those chargers you just put your phone on and it charges. Right, right, you know, right. right. Yep. And, and it's the Millennium Falcon, and which is really cool. So when you put your phone on it, like, you know, the hyperdrive engines, like, you know, yep. illuminate blue when it's charging. It's cool. And I went to say Empire Strikes Back, but I really, it was one of those things. The amount of brain power I actually stopped and put into thinking about it and I'm going to have to say, I believe Endgame has surpassed Empire. And maybe I like Empire Strikes Back more. But Biff, I'm in my early 50s. I've loved movies my whole life more than most. I know, oh, everybody likes movies. It's true. But I, I really do um, cry at so movies. So I, I think that this must be a comic book thing, right? Because um, I, I, it's not even in the I, – I don't consider those two movies even in the same universe. There's, but there's a scene. There is a, the scene where Captain America is holding, you know, Thor's hammer. Yeah, yeah. And, and like I said, it, it, you know, the, the same awesome guy in Hollywood – taped like you know the reaction of the movies in both one when you see i've never i've never and i implore you if, if anyone hears my voice hasn't seen it look up you know audience reaction end game and just scroll to the very end it's great throughout the whole movie it's heart it heart it's heart-wrenching to watch the audience reaction of infinity war you know what i mean right right but, right. but at an end game when you will never Game seven, double overtime. You will not hear a home crowd react as excited as this audience did when you think it's Thor calling for his hammer just as Thanos is about to kill him. And Thanos gets clocked in the head with, you know, the hammer. And you see the hammer fly and you see a hand grab it and it pulls out and it's Steve Rogers. And that, that one moment, that one moment of him with the broken shield, bloodied from the face, holding the hammer that is 22 movies over the course of 12 years converging on that one moment and i'm like if endgame isn't my favorite movie that five seconds of film is my favorite five seconds of film ever and i feel pretty confident saying sadly that nothing I will see in film will will have that much of an impact because I have the original Infinity Gauntlet story from the early '90s. You know that the the, the sixth yep. the sixth episode arc that it was based on, and 
I, I loved and I couldn't wait for the first Iron Man. But like I said, that's 22 movies over, you know, an 11, 12 year period of time that converged yeah. on that one particular special moment that that five seconds and whether that's, you know, Darth Vader throwing the emperor down the chute and saving Luke's life or, or whatever movie. Uh, and she just randomly asked me that. And I, I did. I, I, I am confident saying if, if it's a tie, it's put over the top by Endgame because of that one shot of of Steve Rogers, Captain America holding, you know. Uh, anyway, yeah, I think I think I will buy that. Maybe for somebody like you, that scene is the you know in the greatest moment in movie in your uh, in you know that that you consider. But I I just think that I mean I thought Endgame was pretty cool, but I didn't you know I never thought it was that great and part part of it is because probably i mean i enjoy the movie thoroughly right but it, it doesn't it doesn't really have that lasting impact that empire did i mean i just the the shock of i am your father right you know you know, you know. yeah no i look look you know for 30 plus years it wasn't a thought if somebody asked me my favorite movie it yeah. wasn't a thought well the millennium falcon specifically plays such a huge role in my yeah. life well I, so I, I think it just goes back to yeah that the thor hammer scene um or the captain america hammer scene it's like yeah that's that's pretty cool for me like i don't have it's 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 not not much more beyond that because and it might be because i don't have the comic book right background right it's like yeah that's that's cool and you know there's a lot of holes that i don't like about like, it's like where the fuck was captain marvel man it's like you know so you come you come waltzing in on the second one you know you could have done something in the first one and then avoided all this garbage but no right so yeah but you can play that game you know what if if obi-wan kenobi had told luke hey the, you know, Darth Vader's your dad in the first one, and when he get and when he confronts the spirit Obi Wan, he's like, "Well, from a certain from a certain point of view," yeah. and looks like from a certain point of view, you could have saved so much bullshit. Like, I, like, like, well, I mean, you know that that is its own thing. I mean, there, there, there is a very good reason um, why Obi Wan wouldn't divulge that, whereas Captain Marvel, I was kind of busy. Well, yes. I mean, there's infinite planets out there that she's on. Uh, whatever. Yeah. And the funny. So one of the one of the great things that Marvel does that has spilled over into the new shows yeah. is they'll take a they'll they'll leave a breadcrumb eight years ago on a throwaway scene. Yeah. You know that they pay off, uh, and, and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Like honestly, eight years, ten movies yeah. later. And there's a scene in Age of Ultron where Tony Stark's having a party at his house. The party's wound down. You know, and it's like F&H. It's just the regulars. It's just the last six, seven of us. You know what I mean? And Thor, and, you know, it picks up halfway through the conversation where somebody's like, so if I can pick up the hammer, I'm I'm the king of Asgard. And he's like, yeah, that's how it works. And so they all take their turn trying to lift it up. And, you know, Tony Stark even puts on an Iron Man glove and War Machine puts on a glove and they're trying to use, you know, and it's like, it's a magic trick. It's this, that. He goes, no, you have to be worthy. And Steve Rogers goes to pick it up. Biff, it moves. It moves a quarter inch. Just a quarter inch. And you can audibly hear Thor's sphincter close up like <laughs> oh shit like like and and my wife forever 
has had the theory. Like instantly that night we're leaving the theater. She says he could have picked it up if he wanted to. He kind of wanted to let Thor know. Yeah. It's like I'm worthy. And, 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 and the powers bestowed upon, you know, Majoran know that I'm worthy. But as a as a solid to you, I'm not going to pick it up and take over Thor. And so she, and, and, and again, so she had that feeling. And as Thor's about to meet his demise and then all of a sudden Thanos gets hit and the hammer flies back to Rogers and he turns like 80%, you know, as he catches it and Thor yells out, I knew it, but excitedly he's (laughs) like, Oh dude, that whole thing. But yeah, it's tough for me to say because honestly, I love everything about empire. It's like, you know, I, I have ice cube trays that are Han Solo frozen in carbonite. You know, it's like I love everything about that. But if I'm going to say if it's not if it's one and one a if it's a tie, that is my favorite moment in cinema history. And I hope, you know, it's like when Milt Schmidt used to say, if there is somebody who comes along who's better than number four. I hope I live long enough to see it, you know? Uh, and when Milt Smith said that, you know what I mean? You're yeah. like, yeah, okay. He's, he, he was there the day they invented ice, not hockey. Milt Smith was there when yeah. they invented ice. Uh, but I do. I hope, I hope something surpasses it. I do. I hope something surpasses. And it's funny when you're talking about plot points, uh, you can shoot holes in any movie. You, I well, mean, that's true. Star that's Wars true. is not a good movie. If you look at it from these faults, you know, but you, you, you know, you got to be an asshole and want to find faults in it. And so as Joe and I go through the script, you know, there are some things that are just the way they are. And Joe, Joe has come up with, and I don't know if it's an old writing term and he'd be like, okay, why is it like this? Are you trying to say X or are you trying to say Y? Are you trying to convey this or is it just reasons? <laughs> and, there, and there's some things that, have to be fixed. It's like, that's yeah. what Joe is doing. He is like, okay, we need to put spackle over this, you know, yeah. but you know, that can stay, if, if, you know right. what I mean? It's, but, yeah. but yeah. And every movie has, Oh, why did that happen? Um, reasons, <laughs> you know, yeah. you just well, move on. I mean, listen, comparatively speaking, I think the thing, so I think this is where my lack of comic book background puts me in a very different place than you, because Endgame was, a. Uh, there was comic books surrounding that Endgame story, right? To some degree, right? As I understand, right? And as, when I watched that movie, I'm thinking, you know, this is kind of like the cannonball run of superhero movies where everybody and their sisters, it's like, you know, you th- threw in all the all-stars. Whereas if you ask me about Empire Strikes Back, right? I mean, we're talking about, we, st- we have these core characters. The new, you know, the newly introduced character is Yoda, right? But it's not this, you know, we have the same kind of this core cast. So I think in that sense, I, you know, obviously because I don't have the background, I have a different opinion going into it also. Right. So this past week I checked off a movie off my list that is on the list of, wait, you never saw that movies blade runner. That's the old, I don't blame you a lot. A lot of, I think I, I've seen it a couple times. Um, I th- I actually, I've seen it exactly twice. But uh, I think it's one of those movies where I don't blame anybody for not wanting to see it or not wanting to sit through it, especially if they didn't pay theater money to see it. I actually saw it 
uh, once on video and the second time at the theater because so that I must I'm guessing about 30 years ago because I went with a friend of mine from college. So whenever the Blade Runner director's cut came out uh, in the early 90s, I want to say, or maybe the late 80s, that's the last time I saw it. So, yeah. So I it is because it's Harrison Ford. You know, and and think about my age and when it came out and the fact that it was right. So did you see? Uh, did you see Frisco Kid? I did not see Frisco Kid, but it's not a. And you you movie. call yourself a Harrison Ford fan? What no, the hell? A sci-fi fan or an action adventure? Oh, you know, because, I mean, but it's a comedy. But back then it was Star Wars. It was Indiana Jones. So I never saw it, and but it's one of those movies where people will reference it, and and I know the references. You know what I mean? I'm a pop culture guy, so you can't not know a certain level about the movie and about this and that. And what's interesting is I think because of the Academy Awards, when he came out to give the award for editing, and he had the the notes from the studio um, about the editing that he was reading off, and it was like, <laughs> it gets worse every cut. You know, why do you do and so... Management and I sat down. We're we're gonna watch it, and she's like, "Yeah, I can't believe I didn't see this either." So, I I get it. You know, I think I bought it. Yeah, I bought it. And I, the way the way I work, it's if there's a movie and there's a director's cut, of course you watch the director's cut. You know, that's that's the guy whose vision it is. You know, Um, and so. We watched that, and as we're watching it, because it is a slow movie, yeah, yep. we have time to do the Wikipedia, the oh, reading things, yeah. the reading about it. And it turns out, as soon as I told a few people, oh, I watched Blade Runner, they're like, which version? It's like, yeah. oh, the <laughs> because I guess there's seven versions, and everything that I read, Harrison Ford absolutely hated Blade Runner. Uh, Ridley Scott absolutely hated Blade Runner until the director's cut because before that there were you know the studio because he was under contract made Harrison Ford come in reluctantly after the movie was shot to do the voiceover because there Mm. was no narration and Ridley Scott was left out of the process of the voiceover. Right. Oh, interesting. Studio. I did not know that. Yeah. yeah. yeah so I did not know that. Ridley Scott hated the movie and told, mm. and told the director's version of it. And the way we work things in our household, Biff, if you're going to finally watch the movie after 30 plus years, then yes, you have to watch the 30 year later sequel. Um, so we just so and it's funny because Blade Runner came out. And and it takes place in 2019, I think. You right, know? right, yeah, something, yeah, and, something that, yeah. And so the sequel comes out, uh, and it's Blade Runner 2049. 49, 49, yeah. And and I love those movies, like you know, uh, The Hustler and The Color of Money. You know, it's the same sure. character, yeah, same story. And so, and I also liked that it was Ryan Gosling playing the lead role of the Blade right. Runner. I, I liked it mostly because. He's a fantastically great looking man. And if you're going to watch okay. a slow paced movie <laughs> with, with extreme close ups for three hours, it might as well be Ryan Gosling. You know? uh, never saw, yeah, I never saw the sequel, but OK, it's good. It's actually it's yeah. actually good. Uh, it, it, when we bought it and management is getting putzing around the kitchen, she's getting ready to come sit down. I yelled to her. I'm like, hey, pack a lunch. She's like, what? 
I said, and I pointed to the screen. I'm like, it's two hours and 45 minutes. She's like, holy shit. You know, because people made such a big deal about, again, Endgame being so long. And that's a movie that's a culmination of, you know, two decades of nonstop work putting it together. But uh, it was good. It was slow. You know, I mean, yeah, it, yeah. It's pay- but it's, it's, I'm sorry. It is not slow. It's paced fine. It's it, the pacing is fine, but it, there's not a lot of action. Yeah, it's 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 a non-traditional sci-fi right now, or not, or it if because of the beautiful, futuresque, you know, scenes that you kind of see as a, in the previews, you expect this to be your typical action-packed movie, and it's not that, right? And I don't know if it's so in in the first Blade Runner. 40 years later, um, Harrison Ford is, yes, of course I was an android. And Ridley <laughs> Scott is, no, he's not. You know what I mean? It's like like 40 years later, you could still have that debate. So here in this movie, I don't remember it. Maybe they talked about it and I, I missed it. But Vegas is a desert wasteland. And I, I, and I mean it. And I don't know if it's global warming. I don't know if it's an apocalyptic future. You know, I don't know what ha- also. So what's what's really interesting in Blade Runner, it's it's at one point there is a full and and, 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 and look, maybe, you know, something that I don't being uh, Japanese. But at one point, uh, Los Angeles in 2019, according to Blade Runner in 1980, whatever, is 90 percent right. Japanese. You know, well, it, it was the kind of the start of the takeover, right? Because and, and and it's like, and it's funny because there's 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 five or six very prominent prominent advertisers in the movie, like product placement. Yeah. It's Coca Cola. Yeah. It's Pan Am. It's Atari. I like those are those are the ones I'm thinking. There's a couple other like real prominent ones. So here it is in 2049. They stuck with it, like they didn't diverge in that yeah. universe. Atari is still a major, huge company. Pan Am is still a major, huge company. Why not? Right? Right. right why, why, why not? Why not? Uh, but yeah, it's, it's at one point, like the wife and I, when we're, and I think that's what started us, you know, falling, you know, going into the woods on reading shit as we're watching the movie. It's like, this, I thought this took place in Los Angeles, but every, it's, it's Tokyo yeah. for, for all. Well, yeah. You know. Well, I think I think it's the whole idea it's um people talk about China these days the way they used to talk about Japan, right? In in terms of there's this whatever you want to call it that you know these people are going to take over the world and they they're, they're going to take over your country. That mentality was kind of there, right? With Japan back then because of whatever, because of Sony and because of all the Japanese cars and everything else, right? Now that has subsided and now we're worried about, you know, the Chinese and everybody wants to learn, you know, so I think it's the extension of that mentality, right? Where, hey, they're going to kind of take over the world, right? So yeah, it made a lot of sense back then. There's a great line in the movie Looper. Um, Oh, oh, he has three names, Gordon, Oh gosh, I see him in a thousand things. He he was in the Batman, like the the last Batman movie. Um, oh, he was on Dirt Rock from the Sun. He was just the, in Chicago Seven. Oh, three names. Anyways, a uh, 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 Gordon Levitt. Yes, so, yeah, Gordon. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember. 
I'm missing a name, but it's Gordon Levitt is two of them. And so in Looper, there's a time, there's a little bit of time travel. And in the future, the way the mob gets rid of bodies is transporting them back into time. And there's a guy who shoots you, you, you transport back into time. The guy shoots you as soon as you, you know, materialize and he gets rid of your body like 30 years ago. And he, he ends up, you know, working with the guy in the future, the boss, and he's studying French. <laughs> and the guy's like, "No, you want to learn Mandarin?" It's like, "No, I'm working. Really, I've been work. I've been working on French for a couple of years." And he looks at him, and goes, "I'm from the future. I'm telling you, <laughs> learn Mandarin. <laughs> it's such a great line. Yeah, yep. such a great, great line. Um, so, so yeah, I got that away. So now, and again, when you said when you put on the rundown. You know the 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 crime wave that's hitting Japan, and you send the link. Yeah, uh, I can never find the play button, and I mean that. I have to learn the <laughs> I have to learn the Japanese character for play, or you know what I mean, because it's not like every time I look at one of these new stories, I see the screen pop up, and yep. then I don't know what to click to make it play. Right, but now you probably saw two women. Um, uh, wearing, you know, wearing the masks, right yes, yeah. on the on the thing. Yeah. So the gist of this story is, is that um, these two women were uh, arrested for, I, I guess, you know, theft. But what these w- uh, women would do is they use uh, uh, social media. Uh, there's a social media uh, app called Line that is big in Japan, and essentially they said, "Hey, we're available for hookups. You know, you know, want to meet up?" And then these idiot men would say, "Yeah, that would be awesome." And they meet at the hotel and say, "Yes." Then they go, "Well, yeah. Why don't you uh, clean yourself up, and I'll be waiting right here." And while the men are in the shower, the uh, the you know these women would essentially take all of their valuables, and by the time they are the sh- the guys out of the shower, they she'd be gone, and all his valuables are gone. And it's one of those crimes where you don't really report it. You know, it's like, well, I, well, officer, I came here to pay for sex. And, <laughs> hey, man, yeah. that guy stole my cocaine, officer. Go get it back. So I think part of it is that uh, they they probably had to report it because uh, it's, it seems like they may have lost things that, that did not belong to them. Oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, they came in like, I, you know, I'm reading this at work, which is probably on its own, very bad. And they say, hey, I'll just drop by on the way home from work. I have my work laptop, you know, that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So the last episode of our show, you had a story about the dude uh, pulling the scam of having 35 girlfriends to have a flow of birthday. Well, you you actually found that. You actually found that one. Okay. So last week... I'm driving and I'm listening to the show. Wait, wait, don't tell me on NPR. Yeah. Well, I haven't listened to that in a while. I should. Yeah. And, and they have a game where they have mm-hmm. a person. You know, one of the contestants has to listen to three stories. Right. Right. Yeah. Which yep. is the real news story. Right. Yeah. Guess absolutely. what the real news story was. And it's the is it that was about the same one. one. And of course, you know, the, 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 I think it was Alonzo Bowden who's telling the story. And so he's not embellishing it, but he's playing it up and he's, it's, right, it's very right. funny. Yep. And they're trying to, you know, they try to make them, um, they try to make the legit crazy news story even more crazy so that the made up news sure. stories sound at least as plausible. But yep. as, as I'm, I'm, I just start laughing. I'm like, oh, I know this. <laughs> you know, I, I definitively know this one. 
Yeah, that's happened to me a few times. I'm thinking, I'm kind of embarrassed that I know the answer because I know the answer, but right. you know, yeah. Uh, so I'm looking at the rundown and I see video quiz to post on Twitter. Fine. Yeah, let, let me do this. We're going to do a new, new thing. So can you see my screen right now? Uh, I can. All right. So, uh, and I'm going to kind of bring the, uh, okay. So you see these four women. <laughs> I'll take your word that it's four different women, Biff. I want you to guess, you know, one, two, one, two, three, four from the top left. Okay. Which one of one of these women is a porn star? Which one is it? I want to say all of them. I'm the one on the top left. I'm guessing because of the way she's standing, that would be the obvious choice. So I'm not going to go with the obvious choice. I'm going to go with the top right. Top right. So this is where oh, – so I'm going to show you what, what this person's occupation is. Okay. And that is the first. So she's actually um, a TV announcer. Okay. And so uh, she's one of the popular announcers. She's actually started out in the news, but she does – I think actually she may have started out in weather, but she's kind of re expanded to doing just regular shows. So, so not that one. So take another guess. Bottom left. Bottom left. Okay. So that is the wrongest of the answers I, I, for two reasons. Okay. For two reasons. Number one, this was the only one in which you had the slightest of chance of figuring out who this is. Okay. That's part one. Okay. Part two is that this is the only one of the four who is underage. <laughs> and let me show you that's the, oh, the same woman wow. eight years ago wow <laughs> I, I, i'm saying wow she is the little girl the little girl the from the pacific rim in the in pacific rim oh right. marco as a as a kid oh, right that's great yeah okay so, so I two left. Had, look, so I had said top left is the obvious one, and then the bottom right would be the second obvious one. So I was trying to not go with the obvious one. So I'll so like I said, top left because the way she she's posed, I will say bottom right. Bottom right. Okay. Bottom right. There you go. She's actually a shredder. Dude, she is. Uh, and again, we will post this because, you know, no, nothing's better than me watching YouTube clips on your computer on a podcast. <laughs> but yeah, she is. Uh, what band is she in? She in Baby Metal? She, she's in a band called, yeah, there's a band. It's an instrumental band called D Drive. And so, yeah, she's actually uh, a guitarist. So, yeah, uh, this is the other one. And that's her in her, you know. Right. Uh, the top left one. Yeah. So I made the most obvious one, the uh, the actual, the one that I want, you know, what you wanted you to guess. But yeah. But she does. She looks like a school teacher trying to be naughty. That's correct. And, and so right. when I saw the pose, I'm like, it's, I want to say that one, but no, that would be too much. The easiest. Yeah. Well, I can't. So it was the easiest. This is the easiest of the quizzes that I'm going to give you. Yet it is the one where, you know, okay. I thought maybe you would over, overthink it. I did. I completely did. You, you solved this one piece puzzle over here, Biff. Congratulations. Right. But but I love the fact that your second choice was the one underage girl that you actually potentially could have recognized. But, Not that it's easy, right, because right. you know, we know how you know you people are in terms of, you know, telling us apart, but whatever. <laughs>
Hey, by throwing a blanket statement about me, about throwing a blanket statement about you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, no, but that that's fantastic. Uh, yeah. So, so how is COVID in LA right now? COVID is very good from the standpoint of, I think there's, two things number one is the number of cases have gone down and the positivity positivity rate has gone down and the vaccination rate is also very high you know relatively speaking so but i think we're getting to the point that we're seeing everywhere else where uh there's plenty of people that need to be vaccinated but because of the whatever the whatever you want to call it the hesitancy whatever it is um it, the vaccination rate has slowed down, right? And so if you want to get vaccinated, it's really literally a walk-in situation, as I understand it, where you just how they you know, walk in and get in. How is the vaccination going with um, people homeless and, and, and you know, housing insecure? Are they, are they going to these encampments and, and, and vaccinating people? Um, are they paying? Because you see around the country right. people having, you know, you know, a shot and a beer to come and get vaccinated. It's like you get a free right, lottery right. ticket to get vaccinated, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. So there are efforts. Um, I don't, it, maybe not, it hasn't necessarily gotten to the point where uh, they're reaching out to the, let's say the homeless, but they're definitely uh, provi uh, providing means for people who don't have a way to get to these vaccination sites. I think right now, uh, the, uh, both Uber and Lyft are providing free rides to vaccination sites. So there's things like that going on to try to get people vaccinated. But um, I don't know that they've gone as far. I think that they have made some attempts at specific sites, but obviously, you know, the people who are actually, you know, homeless, um, the, the, I think there are some uh, more efforts that probably could be made to get those people vaccinated. Uh, yeah, because it, it, that is, that is a pretty large community in Southern California right now that yeah. it can't, it, it can't be overlooked. What also can't be overlooked. And we're not going to talk too much about news, but I thought that, that Jared Kushner fixed the middle East a couple years ago. I thought, I thought he solved all the problems. I'm, <sighs> I'm, I'm looking at the news over last week and I'm very confused because I thought they went to Jared. <sighs> yeah. Well, let, let's let's just say that, you know, there are people dying that shouldn't be dying. Right. I mean, you know, kids shouldn't be getting bombed. Right. Hospitals shouldn't be getting bombed. I mean, it's 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 horrible right now. Now, you know me. And so a little bit racist, of course, partly misogynistic. Yes. Yeah. Anti-Semitic, of course. With that said about myself. I would like to say for me and for people of my ilk, you know, you can say Israel is being an asshole without people saying, oh, you're being anti-Jewish or anti-Semitic. Well, because in your defense, you know, you're, you know, you're anti-Semitic, but you're also anti-Muslim. So, right, you, know, right. yeah, you know, so given that. Um, but seriously, sure. every time you see, because I remember when I was in, in, in Qatar and some stuff was going sideways there and. Israel said, uh, oh, we have the right to defend ourselves. One person got killed. Yeah. If one person gets killed, it's awful. It's not just a number. It's not just a news story. That one person was a son, was a daughter, is a dad, is a brother. You know, so one is too many. But on the other side, there was like 1,200 Palestinians. And it's like, yeah, right. it's not. They're throwing rocks. You're throwing. And I'm not. 
smart enough to even say I know what I'm talking about. But it is one of those things where I'm not a fan of Netanyahu. I'm not a fan of what the last administration did to specifically say, here, here's everything we can give you Netanyahu to help you politically and to help Israel. At the same time, we're completely disregarding like they didn't even have. The other side at the table, right. you know, and, and it's Hamas, a terrorist organization that is doing awful things. What, you know, what little I, I understand about it, it's like, yeah, you know what I mean? It's like they're not right. this beloved, benevolent entity that's speaking for all Palestinians. But again, my ignorance is is, is prevalent here. But until you have a two state solution, this will yeah. go on. And yeah, I think, yeah, the difficulty really is, is that when you talk about this thing, both sides can say, well, you did this. Yeah, but you did this. Right. I mean, that's and so we don't know what started when, like, how you know, you, you keep going back one step. Right. Every step you go back, so, you know, one side or the other. But ultimately, right, when you see, you know, children getting killed and when you see and and once again, I'm. You know, when it happened to uh, to, uh, you know, Jewish kids getting, you know, murdered as they walked home, the same thing. Right. That they should not be part of this. Right. And, and, and it, so it, it is. But and I was listening to so much, you know, so many different talk shows this week and there was different folks, people, you know, from Israel saying, well, you know, they we have this land and sure, we came in and took these this land and these homes in 1948. But, you know, they shouldn't want to take them back. You know what I mean? It's like, and, and they want right. they want to start the discussion of anything that happened before that time. Yeah. And it's like, right. dude, if you want to say, you can't say that you can't say, okay, we're going to start from this point on, you know, it's like here, it's the same thing in our country. And, and, you know, luckily for us, uh, what's, what's starting to get a little bit, a little bit of press. It's not going to get as much press as it should. Uh, unfortunately, the findings came out last year when there was a little shit going on. But the land grants that universities have in our country, there was a huge study done. It was over a 10 year period of time when different colleges and universities around the country were gifted land by our country. Here you go. Clear and free. Start your university here. Start a community here. Yeah, the land. Surprise, surprise, surprise was still owned and treated to native americans that now yeah, okay. now it's coming up and, and we're talking big places like yale court a lot of ivy league stuff and, oh, I see, yeah i had not seen that yeah and, and a lot of colleges are starting to say you know there's oh i'm trying to think there's one university that's named for the guy who basically signed the land grant things to them and like okay. their hall is named after this guy it's like yeah he broke a treaty and just gave this land and what are you going to do native americans you know type type thing at the time and so yeah i mean these treaties go back if these are not simple solutions i should not be talking any further about it i shouldn't have even talked about it all except yeah. for the fact that a couple of years ago they were applauding the jerry kushner fix the middle east well, like, you know, no, I don't think any, um, obviously people can say what he did as being, you know, whichever side you're on, you know, they they give it the spin that they gave. Right. But in the end, you know, this is this is not something that can be solved by a third party just kind of going over there and, you know, 
just I mean this this is something that is it's a bigger obviously issue, but it, yeah I mean the two sides really have to sit down and you know obviously I'm guessing that there has to be give on both sides but yeah it's 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 just so hard so right? speaking about their not give on two sides what do you think Biff of the field trip that took place at the Senate on January sixth. Yeah, you know, I, I've taken field trips close to there, but, you know, it was, let's just say my field trips in that area was a lot less exciting than the field trips that I saw on TV on January 6th. Has, on all the field trips you went on, and, and, and look, there was a Jacques in every one of your classes who got in trouble at every field trip. Am I right? Sure, Somebody, sure, yeah. Uh, how many of the of your classmates and your cohorts on field trips from kindergarten on from from Tokyo to Toronto to Hawaii, how many of those field trips wound up with federal crimes and these people being held without bail? For well, those, those are those are alleged crimes. So let's let's not let's not make okay, accusations. Right. I mean, this is you know innocent until proven guilty. Now, it is factual that police officers died as a result of wait, this. Wait. So officers, as in plural, right? Okay. Well, but. So. But let's let both sides do it. And, yeah. and, and property was this, you know, was damaged, right? Those are factual. And things, so, right? and so, a target being looted in a BLM protest that got out of hand is pretty much the same as beating a cop to death with an American flag, correct? I, I'm I'm sure it is, right? I mean, so, that, that sounds like the same thing, right? So, what yeah. upsets me so much, and it's this. What upsets me so much is not the GOP. It is not McCarthy. It is not Mitch McConnell. It comes back to what I've been saying for months. It's Joe Manchin. At what point yeah. does he have to say, oh, wait a minute. So you negotiated for weeks and the Democrats, as always, rolled over and played dead. Here's the top 10 things that Republicans want in this January 6th commission. And you're giving them seven. Six, seven, eight of their wishes. You know, there have to be equal number of people. We have to have equal subpoena partner. We, you know, all this bullshit. So they finally come to an agreement. And then after negotiating, and, and now like the GOP is saying, oh, they negotiated in bad faith. Dude, they gave you everything you asked for to make this happen. And now you're pulling out. At what point does Joe Manchin say, yeah, fuck these guys? Like if, 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 if we well, he doesn't, right? He doesn't. He doesn't because you know he is uh, a Democrat in a, a relatively red state, right? So I, 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 we we get all of that, but know. at what point do you have to say, "Look, I'm going to lose my next election anyways because of these gerrymandering and because of these new voting restrictions"? So I might as well get DC statehood. I might as well get the. January 6th commission. I might, I might as well, and, you know, and, and again, I'm not getting to the whole hypocrisy of Benghazi, 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 you know, 29 investigations stretching over two years, all of this stuff. And yet you had an actual, and, and the scary thing is the Republican who went on, I don't know if it was a zoom meeting or, or, or where he was, you know, giving this statement, but saying, it, you know, if you see the January 6th footage, it looks like people on a regular field trip. And then and then you yeah. you cut to this guy being part of the team that was barricading the door. Right, you right, know, right. This is the guy. There's a photo of you hear a bang and maybe it's when the woman got shot and the look of holy fuck, we're going to die. Look on this yeah. guy's face. And here it is three months later, four months later. He's saying it was a field trip. You know, it's like. Fuck, you know, McConnell's going to be McConnell. 
McCarthy's going to be McCarthy, but unless the Democrats say, we can't reach across to QAnon. You can't reach across to crazy. We, you know, I, I, you, Biff, you will not get anything done with these people, period, the end. You yeah. will not get voting rights done. You will not get a January 6th panel. You will not get, you, you know, you will not get this infrastructure package passed. And then in, in about six months when the commercials start, and in about a year when the when election really ramp up, they're going to be saying, he didn't do anything. See, he didn't get anything right. done. He didn't get anything done. He wouldn't work with us. You know, you put checks in people's pockets, you know, and everybody's yeah. happy. COVID is in a much better place than it was now than six months ago. Anyways, I'm done with that. Uh, unless you have to, you, you got any tips on ending the world problems? Well, I, uh, <laughs> Uh, how's Mars doing? <laughs> how's our, how's our Mars exploration doing? I, I, hey, you know, this isn't on the rundown. Would you go? No. You want to go? If, if you, no. what, what does it take? A year there? A year back? Is it two years? No, there? I think it's. I think it's longer than it. Ta- yeah, it, it takes several years, right? So because you know the Mars rover, right? They'll, they'll and those things will go faster than I think many of the vehicles that we could ever, you know put together to go there so yeah it's it's a several year thing and uh i so if i go there i ain't coming back kind of a thing it's like um yeah no i don't care to go okay all right um question would your wife like you to go (laughs) i think that my wife could get rid of me without me having to go so far right i mean either i think that japan is probably far enough for her so um so you know what? I haven't really thought. Um, I have to go back and curate some weekend Joes. I'm actually going to see if I can talk Joe into making some new um, new stuff. Some new stuff. It's it's funny. He sent me a clip of Sarah Silverman on her show the other day. Uh, she went to a porn site and was just reading the categories to the tune of "We Didn't Start the Fire." Oh, and it was fantastic. <laughs> oh right, right, right. Got it. Yeah, yeah. And and I, that's I, funny. Joe sent it to me, and I said to Joe, "Dude, this is a clear ripoff of self-indulgent theater." Apparently, this is true. Sarah Silverman heard your stuff. What I'm going to play now, it's it's probably one of my favorite things ever. Um, and my short podcasting time is I got to Joe's house one day. He didn't tell me he was going to do this, uh, but he decided he was going to take the theme song from WKRP in Cincinnati and rework the words for us. So here it is this week's self-indulgent theater of Joe uh, and his rendition of WKRP. Carnival personnel was recorded in the dank moldy basement. Joe and Jacques, it's Carnival personnel. Joe and Jacques, to their wives this show is their personal hell. Well, the show sounds the same every single week. Pats are great, Trump is lame, and Joe barely speaks. Who you think still listening? Who you think still listening? Besides Jim and Biff, yeah. Here's a random review. No one cares about you two, Joe and Jacques. Joe and Jacques, Joe and Jacques, Joe and Jacques. So, 
you know, it's funny. I'm choosing WKAP for a couple reasons. In my script, I reference Herb Tarlick. Do you instantly know who Herb Tarlick is from WKRP? No, I actually never really watched WKRP. So despite the fact that, you know, Lonnie Anderson was probably the, like the, you know, the, the hottest actress at the time. I just never really watched it. I don't Caltech know. Were you in Caltech or you in high school at the time? I was in high school you at the time. Yeah. 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 But you, you know, you had full high school. You went to a challenging high school and then you went to Japanese school on Saturday. I'm guessing you didn't watch it's, a lot it's of re- No, I had, but you also have to remember that there wasn't that much else to do back in those days. So I, I certainly watch my share of TV, but uh, that's a different subject altogether because Hawaii is a strange place to watch. Not strange place, but it's a very unique place to watch TV, especially if you're of Japanese descent, because they literally have uh, Japanese TV stations there. So, yo, I can, I, you know, that's that's one of those things you look at. You know, they can like, huh. Yeah, that makes sense that that became a state. <laughs> it's like, sure, well, sure, why not? Yeah, I, yeah, there's literally people who uh, who were in these kids superhero shows, Japanese kids superhero shows, where they ran its course in Japan, and then, but they kept on being played in reruns in Hawaii, and so you have multiple generations of kids who watch. There's this one show called Kamen Rider and another show called Kikaida, Kikaida. And the people who are on those shows would essentially go to Hawaii once a year and they would do these appearances and these kind of these BC list. I mean, we're talking about Japanese BC list actors kind of essentially making a living doing this uh you know once a year kind of a thing so yeah it, it was a very different but that's a different you know you know were there, were there story. camps in hawaii was that were there internment camps in hawaii oh you know that's a good question not that i actually know of but you know because it wasn't a state it was a territory back then right so maybe the you know was a little even though pearl harbor of course was there but yeah i don't you know there might have been i should know this but i do not know so before we start talking about sports, I'm going to, as, as Biff knows, as Joe knows, I'm kind of a recovering addict in the sense of sports radio. And it's okay, good for you because when, when you, when somebody goes through recovery, you know, it's funny because they, they're like, Oh my God, I can't believe I spent all those years drunk. I can't believe I spent all those years. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's a part of you that's like, yeah, there were some fun times in there. You know what I mean? And over the last few years, I truly have pulled way back from it. And the other day, and, and every now and then, you know, every now and then I'll be like, I'll be driving in the car and the kid has the headphones on, so I can't be streaming my phone. He, he wants my phone. And so I'll go to the news station, I'll go to the NPR station, and I'll toggle the two sports stations. And almost every time, you know, it's sure the Red Sox won by 12 runs last night, but you know what I mean? Sure. The Patriots won another championships, but you know, and it's like they, they just find the cloud inside every silver lining. And the other night, you know, the Bruins, the Bruins won. And by the time this post, there was, there will be two more games played, but after game three overtime, double overtime, win. I'm going to bed and I want to listen to it, you know, and the guy who comes on after the official broadcast ends instantly found ways to, 
well, you know, this is the third goalie that the Capitals used in the last three games. And if you need, you know, 48 shots to get, you know, a goal past the third string. And I'm like, nope, click, done. And it's 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 funny because Joe's already frustrated about me talking about how I can't believe I used to listen to so much. But <laughs> honestly, it's one of those things I feel like. I'm the I'm the I'm the I'm the recovering addict who kind of misses some of the good old days and some of the good parts of being on 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 you know heroin, but at the same time I'm like, oh my god, literally, you know. Yeah, I, the the issue that I fundamentally have is that sports radio is driven by outrage, right? I mean, it's it, outrage is the name of the game in sports radio, right? And I think that outrage is often artificially created as you just noted, right? And it's I don't blame uh, necessarily your local sports radio or even the Boston market or LA market or New York market or anything. It's just a, that this is what the industry has become. And I don't even know who started it. But it's, it's funny because it, other radio stations are like, Oh my God. You know, if you're in New York, it's like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I shouldn't speak about that. But when I was in LA and I would listen to national shows before you could stream the local ones, the outrage was usually directed at other teams in other cities and the bad guys wearing the other uniforms here. They focus on sure. We're the cities of champions. Sure. It's, it's unthinkable to think in any of the four sports teams would go more than two seasons without going deep into the playoffs. But let me tell you how well, the narrative is going to be the narrative for whatever works in your market to, I mean, I, I think that Boston market can do that because you had that stretch of just winning championships all the time. Right. And so then suddenly you guys can say, Hey, you know, what is wrong with this team? You know, we are the city of champions. They should be doing better. Right. And that, and that just happens. It's not because Boston is any better or worse. It's just that that's the narrative that works to create the outrage because it's that it's the outrage that fuels the, you know, the, that whole thing. One of the things that's funny, you already mentioned Cam Neely on this podcast. So the Bruins are playing Washington, who are a heavier team, and, and, and they're more physical. And over the last few years, the Bruins have been out-physicaled. They were out-physical by St. Louis. St. Louis was not a team that should have taken it seven games, let alone win seven games, but they, they beat the crap out of the Bruins. And you hear the sports radio people here say, you know, when Cam Neely was playing, his teams wouldn't have been pushed around like that. Cam Neely never won a cup. You know what I mean? It's like all these, all or the same thing. Yeah. It's like, Oh, the Red Sox. It's like, you know, when, when they had so-and-so and so-and-so, if you hit one of their batters, like Roger Clemens is going to throw it at your head the next inning, and they well, don't have um, anybody who's willing to do that. It's like, hey, asshole, Roger Clemens never won a World Series here. Yeah. Well, you know, it's there that the good old days narrative is used by just about every sport market, right? I mean, there there's – and especially because sports radio is is such a space that's occupied by, you know, old geezers that – and they all say, well, and there are some, uh, I agree with some aspects of what, what they're saying, but at the same time, you know, it's a different, you know, era for a variety of reasons. Yeah, and, you know, it was definitely more fun when the defensive lineman was destroying quarterbacks. But guess what? I don't want to see that at the cost of the, you know, what these people are paying, you know, after they retire with all of their concussions and lost memories and, you know, 
you know, these Alzheimer like, you know, dementia like symptoms. I don't want that out of these guys, right? And also, yeah. also it's fun to see great quarterback A playing against great quarterback B, you know, yeah. and, and and can they out so the uh, speaking about fake outrage, again, I listen to very little sports, but Sometimes stories bleed over from sports into mainstream. And I looked this up because I heard it from a couple different places this week. Yep. I guess last week there was some outraged that in a blowout game, yep. the Chicago White Sox, and I don't even remember who they're playing, brought in a reg- a positional player to pitch. Yep. You know, the last couple innings. Yeah. And a batter for the Chicago White Sox had a three and O count. What do you do in pro baseball? If you have a three and O count, bit? right? That's the, that's the code, right? You don't swing on a three and O count, right? And he Allegedly. took this guy yard and not only yeah. did he take him yard, like, and it's like, Oh, the, you know, and then I looked up like that positional player has pitched many times. And like one time he pitched like five years ago and he got shelled. And then the next time he came in, he threw like seven pitches and got, a strikeout, a ground out, a ground out. You know what I mean? So he's not a schlub, but yeah. the outrage of breaking the unbroken rule of, you know, oh, you take. Yeah, baseball has the dumbest, you know, dumbest. that the dumbest, that whole code thing. Yeah, whatever. But and obviously, be, I think it became a bigger thing because, his, the, you know, you know, Tony La Russa had to step in and talk about how, you know, you know, you don't do this on my team. It's like, come on, dude. And Tony La Russa you, is close to 80. I mean, dude, just please. Why did you come back to baseball? Why did like, you come back? Honestly, it's like, dude, you're almost 80. They're having a problem getting young kids into the game. I'm thinking, in the yeah. age, look, I sound like an ageist. I'm not apologizing. An 80 year old guy isn't going to get my kid like interested in uh, who who have these old term things. You know what? I, and it's funny because my kid, and I'll talk about it in a second because, like, you know, base, he had a three and count the other day. And it's like, dude, hitting the ball is a lot more fun than taking a walk. <laughs> and he gets walked. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's made it to base the last 12 times they've come up to bat. And shockingly, six of them have been hits. But yeah. he, and he got walked the other day and he looks over and he's like, well, do I have to? Can, can, I, can I stand there and take a fit ball? I'd rather swing the ball. But on the pro level, it's like, dude, no, okay. The whole thing, when a team is getting killed, I, I the other day, because of me, just like you or Taylor, uh, for some reason, when I got done watching the Bruins game, I, it was on the NHL network, I turned the TV on the next day, and the Russian Five is on. So I'm like, oh. I'm going to watch this again while I'm getting stuff done, getting the kids ready in the morning. I forgot that the game that Patrick Roy was shelled mm-hmm. was against the Russian five. Mm-hmm. And dude, it yeah. was embarrassing. Are, are NHL teams supposed to stop trying in the third period? If you're up by five or six goals, but I mean, but Patrick Roy wasn't upset at the Russian, at the opposition, right? He was upset at uh, what's his, I can't remember his name now. The, uh, the, his coach it wasn't a Trombley. Trombley. Yeah. Mario Trombley. And yeah. we see the coach because he walked over. Yeah, he was at yeah. the coach, but he walks over and tells the general manager sitting behind the bench. He's like, yeah. um, but in any sport, no, same thing with you. You're playing on Caltech and you're getting shelled. It's like you're playing MIT. And if if it's one of those years where Pavel doesn't show up and, you know, a couple of the other good ones and you're down by five or six goals, is it more embarrassing that they pass the puck around and don't shoot? Or do you well, to shoot? I, I think. What I want to say is that when you're talking about like these high level, like pro sports, I don't think that, you know, these things necessarily apply. Now, 
with hockey, if you piss off the other team, then things can get ugly. So maybe what you want to do is not create something that will tick off the other team to a point where they start going, you know, Tom Wilson on you, yeah, right? That's true. Right. So there that so so you have to kind of keep that in mind. But you know, so in like it's the same. So once again, this is where the you have the garbage, you know, code in baseball where um if you say brush uh uh, you know, uh, a batter back, then the opposing, you know, pitcher is going to do the same thing. I mean, come on. Was there you was know? there an unwritten rule in hockey that goalies wouldn't try to shoot at an open net? <laughs> I, 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 yeah, it never know, happened before. I think Hextall did it. And then it yeah. became, you know, then now I've been in the building when a goalie did it up in Vancouver in like 2002, 2003. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. Was it an unwritten rule? No, I mean, I think the unwritten rules, well, in hockey is usually has to do with, it, what, 90% it has to do with fighting, right? It's like like the, the, the fighters aren't supposed to fight the skill guys, right? You're supposed to fight with the, the like players. So, you know, it's okay if Matt Sundin fights Ray Bork, right? Not okay if, right. But we're not going to, you know... Tom Wilson is not going to fight, you know, you know, Krejcik, right? That kind of stuff, you, right? You, you hope not. You, 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 right. I mean, but that's what we're talking about, right? So, so, so now now we're into it. Now this is all Biff all the time. We're a week into it. We're at game three or four with all these series. How are you feeling about this year's playoffs? A lot of fun, right? Lots of overtime is great. Overtime hockey is the best hockey. Overtime playoff hockey is the best hockey. Um, so it's been great so far. Uh I think yesterday's Toronto Montreal game was the only one that, well, not the only one. There's two games that have been a black mark for me. Yesterday was not so much uh, uh, a black mark as much as, uh, not because the Leafs lost, but because the way in which John Tavares, and I don't know if you saw this, but the way in which John Tavares got knocked out of the game and he had to be taken yes, off on a stretcher. That's awful. I mean, yeah, it's just awful. And the fact that the Leafs lost is, you know, even though I'm a Leaf fan, it's completely secondary to the fact that, you know, uh, a player, you know, was, you know, taken out in a stretcher. And I think that I could, I don't want to get into it too much, but I mean, like the, not surprisingly, the Toronto Sun, you know, or what I like to call New York Post North, um, <laughs> You know, that's, that's I mean, a pretty damning indictment. Yeah, I listen. Their cover story was, you know, was Tavares, and the and the title was Captain Crunch. And it's like, are you kidding me? Are you really serious? I mean, you know. So yeah, so that's awful. Um, the other one is once again, you know, shocking. Formerly on uh, Nazim Kadri, and you know, and his hit on um on Justin Falk that you know knocked Falk out for. Probably a few games. Uh, he's uh, Kadri's on, I guess, indefinite suspension. I have not heard the final resolution because he was supposed to have an in-person hearing, and I had not actually checked on the outcome of that in-person hearing. But obviously, this is a guy who is a repeat playoff offender, and he, I don't know what you have to do with with a guy like this, right? Because ultimately. He's hurting the team. He's hurting yeah, Colorado. Yeah. He's he is a he is an effective player when he's on the ice. And when you get yourself suspended like that, you take yourself out and you know you're causing essentially a distraction to your team. And this is a team that is projected to go far. So um, 
I, I think one of us projected them to go to the cup. <laughs> well, I have, you know, one of us projected them to win the cup. So, yeah. So, uh, and with the Bruins, honestly, uh, and this is a rhetorical question. I'm going to ask anyways, your beloved Leafs, you rather them lose an amazing game where they just played awesome but lost in overtime or lose by four goals and just nothing was working right? Um, I don't know that it matters too much at this point. And only because, so if you would have asked me the question uh, four years ago, then it would matter more that they were kind of close because this is a team four years ago that was kind of on, you know, was still trying to come up to that next level, right? Right now, they're supposed to be at the next level. So if they lose, if it's close, eh, whatever, they're not supposed to be close. And if it's really bad, yeah, I mean, so I think it's at a point where it's it's really about the results now. That's you know, for me, it's like honestly, if 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 my Bruins are going to lose, I'd rather them lose in regulation by four goals, because I'm watching the the game three as we are recording this. They're they're playing game four now, um, and I'm watching game three, and it is one of those situations where in the first overtime, they outshot the Capitals seventeen to five. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's like as you know, how many times. What what is the percentage of the team that you know doesn't score, but outshoots somebody like you know a ten to one ratio? Right. It's that whole thing of yeah. Don't let them hang around. Right. Right. And 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 I I will never forget. Well, I will forget the specifics, but it's true. There was a bean pot game, and it was a final, and it was an overtime. And the guy on Boston College had such an Irish name. <laughs> uh, honestly, it, it was it was Sean Patrick O'Hallahan, you know. Okay. And and overtime or double overtime, he wins it. Almost yeah. cranks a shot off the crossbar. Mm. And it ricochets almost to neutral zone. And a guy on the other team, I think it's the breakaway the other direction or something. Direction. Yeah. It's like you cannot come close. I mean, if the shot is a yeah. centimeter yeah. lower to the right, this guy can't buy his own beer in Boston for the rest of his life. You know, right, what I mean? right, right. And Southie, they dedicate a street to him. Uh, you know, a Boston kid with the most Irish name, Beanpot winner. Almost, you know, but instead it goes and it was it was one of those games where BU, I don't think, had a shot in overtime. And I think BC was buzzing and buzzing and buzzing. Right. And so the other night, you know, I'm watching it and here's the bees buzzing and they're buzzing and they're circling. And they're, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Oh, she, no, no, no. You know, and, I, and the wife comes in the room and she's like, oh, I thought you were watching. Oh, you are watching the game, but I'm, watch, <laughs> I'm watching it on mute. Because, look, I know what's going on. I don't need the broadcasters adding to my anxiety. Right. Yeah, I don't need them reminding me. It's like you can't let them hang around. You got to bury one of these things. You, 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 you know who's on the other side. You know Ovechkin's out there. You know Oshie's out there. You yeah. know Chara's just waiting to unleash one. Um, well, so, so obviously you have a very different, you know, um, outlook on this because you have, and it's kind of funny. Even though I would love for the Leafs to win, ever since 2012, I've been such a relaxed sports viewer because I I witnessed, you know, 
you know, Kings are kind of like my second team, but still, I witnessed a team that I love win the Stanley Cup, and for, so everything at this point, I'm considering you know gravy. But no, I, I, from, you know, I agree. Like the heartache of the look, I will never yeah. get over the 2007 Super Bowl. I, I that 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 will haunt me forever. You know. I, I'm so upset about the Stanley Cup two years ago, Game Seven at home. But you know, we—I I yeah. saw a cup of my adulthood, you know, and arguably yeah. a cup we shouldn't have won. Why? <laughs> oh, come on! That Vancouver team was just so fucking good. Like, yeah, but I mean, look, look, look! I'm glad you know we don't win that cup. It, there's, it, you know, like with most sports. If you Let, let's just let's let's just put it to you. Let's just put it this way, okay? That. Boston team in 1971 was so good. So good. And, and what was the difference? Yeah. Gold Ken Dryden. Goaltending, goaltending. And what happened in, you know, same thing with, you know, with the with the Canucks and the Bruins. I mean, I mean, say what you will about the guy. Yeah. That that three or four year stretch, Tim Thomas was crazy good. Look, and 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 because because of what Tim Thomas did, because he won four game sevens yeah four game sevens in that series you know i'm sorry i think three yeah game the second round was six games i believe but he won and and the first the first round was a double overtime win yeah and again when you're looking across and you see the sedin brothers i think they were one and four two and five in scoring those two brothers that year and And again, you know, they have home ice, all these things. Tim Thomas stole games. And that's and and, and that's the tough thing about Rask. Rask is a great goalie. Rask does not lose you many games like you can. You can count in the in the 10 years, the nine years he's been the starting goalie here, the eight years he's been the starting goalie. You can count a handful of times where he was just off, you know, but because of what Thomas did did and the way he did it his legend is just but you're right you know since june 11th 2012 um yeah i'm a much more relaxed sports person myself because i was with you hugging strangers right right again right watching that cup um that's right yeah but i'll I'll, I'll say this um you know i think i'm not too i so i picked the bruins to uh, uh beat the capitals in round one mostly because i you look at the names on the Capitals and they look great, but if you really, you know, look at what they've done, and just and just combine with the fact that the you know the Bruins have been so much better with Taylor Hall, oh, you God. know, I, I'm really surprised that it's been this close. Look, first of all, well, again, I already mentioned it. They in their first three games have three different goalies. Like you know what I mean? They've had through. They've used and none of them, none of them, goals. really that good. <laughs> no, I mean, if it takes forty-eight shots to get three goals, you know, yeah. against your third-string guy, uh, I, I'd say they, they they've been holding up pretty damn well. Yeah. The stressful thing for me and for every you know Bruins fan, when you talk when you talk about look at look at the game on paper, these two teams going into tonight's game, the last twelve playoff games have been decided by one goal. Yeah. Right. And the three games so far, nobody's had more than a one goal, you know, lead. Yeah. yeah. And of those 12 playoff games, eight of them decided overtime. It's yeah. killing me, Bill. Just, well, just killing me. Sure. So for the for the people who care about the games, I mean, for people like me, it's a oh, this is great stuff. Great stuff. For the for the people who care about the games, yeah, they're I'm sure it's it's nuts, right? Um, but yeah. So so 
uh, I got some video game stuff if you don't. Uh, you got any video game uh, 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 talk here, or is it all me? Yeah. Okay. I, I have no time for video games now. Well, I, I generally don't, but I told the wife and my son who's been, my son has been more excited because he knows how much I love Resident Evil. And the new right. Resident Evil game dropped like three weeks ago. And it's been killing him that it's been sitting there. And I haven't <laughs> to last week, but I did. I told my wife going into last yeah. week and I'm, I'm moving stuff aside. I, I've been doing a lot of baseball because the little, the other little guy plays. Right, baseball. right, right, and right. Each right. game is a four hour commitment, a four to five hour sure, commitment. Yeah. And yeah. it's three times a week. I'm like, I'm going to go downstairs and play with G Man. He's so excited about this. And it is. It's so far since I've gotten into back into video games, maybe 12 years ago, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, Resident Evil has not put out a dud. Like they put out some games that are great and some games that are really great. And this is a really great game. And I've had fun playing with the kid. It's not a two player game, but you know, he wants, and it's like one of those things. He does these things called speed runs. Like you, and it's, if you speed run it, you can beat the game in three hours. So you have to, you have to, when I'm talking, you have to memorize a map that has, right five different castles and three different underground ways to go that all look the same, but there's this tiny little signal that tells you to turn left here and not right. And he wants me to watch him do a speed run. It's like, I want to play. I don't want to watch you, but it's the same. I don't want to be watching my other kids play baseball. So I will sit here and watch you with as much passion and enthusiasm and cheer you (laughs) on like I do your brother, but I have, it's been a week. And so I well, you know, and you gotta—I gotta say, Resident Evil. I actually had a discussion with uh, with a child uh, this week about Resident Evil. In that, and I don't know when you started playing Resident Evil, but I actually started in Res- the original Resident Evil. Uh, I think I want to say on the PS—is it the PlayStation or PlayStation Two? One of the, you know, you know, like whatever it was that it was on. Uh, and so I got the first two when it originally came out and it, you know, it was revolutionary at the time. Right. So there's some games that you, we know are like, there, there are these markers, like doom is a marker. And, and similarly resident evil was a marker. And it, this, it was really the first one that combined the whole, you know, the, the, the shooting part with the graphics, but also this whole quest thing where you had to, you know, there are these prerequisites that you have to fulfill in a certain way to get right, to there's lots right. of storytelling. Um, right. Yeah. So it was revolutionary in that sense. So um, and so the, I think that's the greatness of the franchise. Right. So my my, my my wife, my wife, she used to play games a little bit. But this is going back again, like 20 years when the Resident Evil and she loves because there's lots of puzzle solving. Yeah. And you will. As you go from this tiny village under this, and it takes you holding the run button three minutes to get from point A to point B and then take a two-minute elevator ride to the top of a castle. But along the way, you had a couple clues that, you know, before you get into this room, this tiny little room has a note on the counter that if you don't go and check out, you look at the note, but you also have to flip the note over because there's a code. 20 minutes from now, you get into a room and there's a lock safe that you need to open. Yeah. And God 
damn it, you did it. <laughs> now you got to backtrack. And it is. It's yeah, you have to pay attention to the little twinkles in the wall, right? Right, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and you have to remember, it's like, okay, the, especially the first two or three times, you can't fast forward through the cut scenes because this person's going to drop some breadcrumbs that right. you're going to need yep. to piece together later. So it is. It's immersive. It's fun. I, I used to, and by used to, I mean the last time a Resident Evil came out game like three years ago, I, I what you call 100% it. And they have all these challenges. So on this new game, it's a village. It's this, and they have, it's an old village. It's in modern day, but it's a village in the middle of, it's always in somewhere Eastern Europe village. And, right. and they have outhouses. And one of the challenges, you have to open every outhouse door in the village. And there's a couple that are <laughs> hidden that are down right. here in a cave. And, and, and you will have to play the game through a whole other time, another three, four hour playthrough just to open all the doors to hundred percent the game. And I've done that before. And I've told my son much to his chagrin, dude, this has been fun. I've had <clears> a great week doing this with you, but uh, no, I'm done. I'm, you know, <laughs> I wanted to get to the point in the game where, it's what Resident Evil does is it rewards you for your time and effort and you can unlock certain things and you get to the point where you can unlock in this game and past games. It's been an infinity rocket launcher where for 90% of the game, you can just walk down the street and blow everything. <laughs> but there's 10% of the game. where Oh, you lost all your equipment and now you have to figure out how to still get from point A to point B without dying. And then you get it back. Once I got that now, a couple people have let me know, and I didn't want to cheat, but I did go online. There's a bonus setting where if you complete these 10 bonus levels, you unlock. It's not a lightsaber. <laughs> For copyright infringement, it's not a lightsaber, but it's a goddamn lightsaber. And so I told him, okay, I'm not going to. It's a brighty sword. It's, it's right. a brighty. It's a brighty sword. I'm not going to go down that. You know, I'm not going to go through the wormhole with you, but if you get it and unlock it, <laughs> I'll come back and I'll play around. Doing it. And look, it's one of those things with if if I'm wired one night and management goes to bed, it's like, yeah, you know, I'll go downstairs and play, but I'm done. Like I, I had a great week of playing. Yep. It. I'm glad I did. But now. Uh, so so that's my video game thing. Um, what what uh, what are you watching? Are you watching anything good? I was told. And this this cracked me up when I saw the rundown. I was told by the child to tell you about Invisible on Amazon Prime. <laughs> it's great. Have you yeah, seen? yeah. He he goes, yeah, yeah. You got to tell Jacques about Invincible on Amazon Prime. So okay. And then you saw it ahead and, of the rundown. And there's a well. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, Biff's twenty three. 22? No, no, he's he's 21. 21, okay. So so good. So he can run to a liquor store for you. God That's bless, correct. God bless yeah. him. Um, yeah, I told my 13-year-old, uh, I said, hey, I'm watching this show. It's a superhero show. It no. starts off like an animated CW show. A high school kid whose dad's Superman, and he is half of this species, this humor species, and he's supposed to get his power by now, but he hasn't. So he has the angst of that. He also has the angst of standing up for this girl at school but getting his ass kicked by the bully and he likes this girl, but he doesn't know if he can ask her. It starts off that. <laughs> okay. And then all of a sudden, it takes a turn at the end of, of episode one. And it's like, holy shit, what the fuck did I just see? And it becomes... The boys on Amazon Prime, where you're like, holy fuck, this high school cute 
superhero e movie is fucked. Yeah. Up. That's what he. That's what he basically told me. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It, it's great. It's eight episodes. Um, the comic. The comic just came out. I don't think it's a ten-year-old comic. Okay. It's called Invincible. Uh, it's from Image Comics. I'm surprised. Well, I'm not that surprised. I mean, Image Comics is Walking Dead, you know. So, it's, oh, okay. It's a newer comic, but the the series is great, and, and some good voice actors, you know, on it. Um, it's interesting that there is like, um, <clears throat> and obviously it's it's very different than say DC and Marvel, where you had a stylistic consistency, right? But um, it, it's it's kind of fascinating to see, you know, the comics is kind of like the manga in Japan, but in in Japan, the, a publisher doesn't necessarily have a style, if you will, because uh, the way things work there, here, the way things work is that you're reading a specific line, right? So I'm I'm gonna buy the you know the Iron Man's and I'm gonna buy the Superman's and I'm gonna buy. So that's the way it kind of works here, right? Over there. You're buying, uh, or at least traditionally, anyway, you're buying uh, either a weekly or a monthly, you know, uh, book, kind of, kind of like a magazine. And within there, there's like ten or ten to twelve different, you know, things. And so it's all over the place, right? And some of the when, some of the ten to twelve are like there's going to be a few that's going to be like one page, kind of you know, Dilbert kind of a you know thing where it's just a short thing, and then you're going to have the stuff you see in this country, right? Like the Dragon Ball Z appeared as one item in a compilation of with, you know, you know, 10 other things. And you have to wait for the next episode to, you know, see the continuation. So. No, and that that's kind of how it used to be here with comics. Like, you know, you know, Batman started inside Detective Comics. So Batman's first okay. appearance in a comic book is in Detective Comics 28. So there was, or 27, there was 26 mm. iteration, you know, storylines right. before that and then oh you know what this guy's really fucking good well we'll we'll have him yeah. be this from now yeah. on um no so it so it is it's a, it's a it's akin to to that um if you got a parenting tip this week you know i will say that um and it, i think this becomes uh more important as you get older because you know i have an adult child in the household but I think it's important uh, as a parent to be a friend to your child's friend, especially if that child's friend, you know, you know, are, are decent people. And so uh, uh, today uh, the son had a friend who visited before he's, he was leaving town. So one of his, uh, one of my, uh, one of my son's friends is leaving town and, you know, as, uh, as a, the, I'm the, you know, the friend's dad, if you will. And it was kind of tough for me too. I mean, I'm gonna miss the kid. You know, he's a good kid. Um, Is he shipping off? He in the military? He's going away? No, 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 no. He's just uh, moving to uh, uh, live with uh, with another. You know, he's, he's been living with his mom and uh, you know uh, some of his siblings. But he's now gonna move to uh, Texas, where he has a brother in Texas, and you know he basically wants to kind of start up over there. You know, kind of you know establish a life of his own, kind of a thing. So. You know, good for him. You know, he's being an adult, and you know, um, now obviously I'm cheering for him, but yeah, you know, I'm gonna miss him. You know, and and it's been it's a tough time for this to happen because uh, only recently has um, you know they've been able to see each other in person. Reconnect, you know, they right. 
Right. And so he's come over a few times ever since, you know, things have opened up a little and you know, we got our vaccinations and whatnot. So, you know, it's, it's tough. Um, so I'm going to miss him. And, but I think it's important to uh, essentially, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be that, you know, jerk parent that essentially acts like, you know, these guys are just, you know, you know, you know, we, I don't want to be going to have friends your whole life. You're going to over. Right. It's not, it's not like a, what's his face from, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, that, that 70s. I don't want to be you know, red right. from the 70s show. Right. Uh, well, at the don't end, be red. No. Yes. I mean, oh, my God. Red Foreman, unfortunately, has been more of a mentor to me as a dad than he should be. Uh, <laughs> at the same time, I will say, if you watch the end of the se- if you watch the end of the series, he really ends yeah. up like really liking the kids, like really liking yeah. Hyde and stuff like what part of Texas? Yeah. What part well, of yeah. Which part was that? What part of Texas is? Um, it's it's gonna be in the Houston area. Oh, Houston's so. a fun city. Yeah, Houston's great. That's a, as yeah. long as they're you know as long as they they're not underwater. Oh, that's that. So, well, then, you know, there's a whole we could you know once again maybe we'll talk about it in the future, but the whole the whole way that city is planned, it's oh, it's doomed to be you know, doomed. flooded. Right. It's it's that 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 like every coastal city. You know, in this country. Well, Houston is um is a bowl. There's a there's a there's there's articles about it, but yeah, Houston specifically will have issues. Yeah. Uh, so here's my parenting tip. It's going to be a little bit lengthy because it comes with a story. Oh, what a big surprise! You know, as a dad, and and, and as a sports guy, um, you Taylor, you know, you know, uh, you know, all star in in Scotty Black. We're not the dads who push our kids into things, right? you know, yeah. and when, and our kids are involved in things, we politely cheer them on. We, we completely cheer them on and support them a thousand yeah. percent, but we're not going to the games and yelling our heads off. We're right. not coaching from the sideline. <clears throat> you know, uh, if you want to coach, dedicate your time and show up at every practice and get the equipment and you'll know, be part of all right, that. Right. And, and I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? Um, it's also been a frustration that I've driven and paid other people who know less about certain things than I do <laughs> to, cause they won't listen to me, but that's, that's the way it is. I've accepted that before I had kids again, watching friends with older kids, you know, you know, you know, Al, Al and, and John and, and the just close people, especially John, just watching how he handled his kids in sports. And his son was not into sports at all. His daughter excelled at a young age at one thing and then transitioned to another thing and then transitioned out of it. And the whole way he was supportive, show up at everything. If they want to get to the extra practice, you drive them. If they need equipment, you get it. If you, they need a coach, you, you sign them. So all of that said, so my little guy joined baseball Partly, as I talked about, to help another family out. Right, right, right. And, right. and so, and he doesn't mind it. And yeah. after the, so three or four, four or five games in, and I've joked about it, you know, at this level, it's the first year people are pitching. So you'll score six runs on collectively four hits. Right, right, and right. Every single turns out to be a triple with the overthrows. Sure. And every, walk turns out to be a triple because you walk that person and the next pitch it's thrown over the catcher's head into the backstop and you don't steal you walk to second you know right right so but but look he he's liking it more but he's always in right field and he never had the ball hit to him ever yeah. i talked about this on the last podcast um 
you know, my management came to a game and I pointed out that he, yeah, he's always out there. He's always 10th on the list of people batting. And so he might get up two or three times a game when other kids get up more, but you know what? It's, he's not putting in any of the extra work. And she's like, Oh, at this level, everybody should get to play every position. And I'm like, do you want him to play catcher? <laughs> cause I don't. <laughs> and so, you know, you know, cause one of his friends a couple of weeks ago, hit a ball it didn't make it to the pitcher's mount but he got on first safely because he threw the bat behind him and took the catcher out so badly you know it's like yeah and so anyways so i told her i said yeah you know if he you're supposed to show up a half hour early to work with the coaches on on pitching or on throwing and this is a fundamental league but if he doesn't show up early if he doesn't want to be here, the kids who want to be here should be playing first base and second. And that's my, and that was my take. So a few weeks ago, a kid on his team got thrown out of the game. And, and like I said, there's usually 10 people who show up at a game and he's always six innings. He always sits first, always sits first, which, you know, means I'm going to be here for the first hour in 20 minutes and see him bat once. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. And, 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 and three or four <clears throat> pitches never got a hit. Like, he got hit by a bunch of balls. He walked a bunch. So in his first, let's say, six games, he made it on base 60, 70 percent of the time because he got hit or right. he walked and it, or he just struck out swinging over his head. OK, so and I don't say a goddamn thing. You know what? I get him there. I make sure he yeah. has it. You know, and he didn't even want to put on the baseball socks. He fought over that. The wife got him cleats. He, he hurt his feet and he didn't want to wear that. Mm. And then one of the coaches is like, oh, dude, you have to wear the socks. You know, just like hockey, yeah. you have to have matching yeah. socks at this yeah. level. Yeah. So he did it. So one game, one of the outfielders, they only had nine people. Mm. And and the kid who played center field got thrown out for arguing with the umpire about something. He got hit by the ball and had a meltdown. You know, oh start, start dropping F-bombs. And they're like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. And, and look, you got hit by the ball, you get angry. But he wouldn't let it go. So now they're playing the last inning with eight people. So he's playing center right field and somebody's playing okay. center left field. Biff, it was the first time in five games I saw a real base hit. There's a person on second. There's <laughs> a right. person on second. It's a tie game. Top of the six. And it was a real hit. It was a real okay. hit right down the left field line. And so he has to run a third in the outfield. <laughs> right, right, right. And he has to throw the ball for the first time ever. Right. Frozen rope. Throws a strike to the nice. basement. He got the good ball. <clears throat> Biff, that's all wow. it took. Now he's dialed in. And now he says, I want to get better, Papa. Great. Yeah. We go and we buy a batting tee. I'm like, great, let's go out this weekend. We get the kid yeah. who, you right. know, who, who yeah. we're yeah. helping out. And I'm like, great, you know what? Why don't me, you, and Leo go? And do this, and and so we did. Now we've done it once or twice a week for the last two or three weeks, and and I told my wife, I said, tomorrow he's going to hate it, and he's not going to want to do it. But you know, so I'm not going to push it. I'm not going to crazy, but I'm going to be supportive. So I told her, I said, it's just like when John and I go into the program when we would start it up, you wouldn't see the result on Friday night, and then you wouldn't see the result the second Friday night. But the third Friday night, yeah. uh, John's making a play that a few weeks ago he wasn't. I'm, right, I'm right. beating somebody <clears throat> to the puck who three weeks ago I wasn't. It, it just So I told him that if he sticks it out, that's where we are now, Biff. Yeah. So last week, he got the player of the game ball. And then the two games later, 
two practices, and when I like, I he's not ready to go to a batting cage. I don't have a shoulder, so I can't pitch to him. So I get a tee for him to hit off of, and I, I and I told him it's like, dude, this is just working on your swing. You know, just hit it off the tee. Yep. That's it. So the last two, so the next two games go by. He either walked because he wasn't swinging at stupid things. Because I'm like, if it's not where it is on the tee, don't swing, even if it's right. a strike. You know, because right. I said it's going to, if it's right here, swing. If, but once the game right. starts, Biff, I don't cheer from the crowd. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I, I clap if he hits the ball, I clap <laughs> yeah. if he gets a walk, but I just sit there. And it's funny that the other people are like, oh, Tristan, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm silent. <laughs> so, so he has two games in a row in which he just three for four. Well, no, right. three for three with a walk. You know, okay. I mean? yeah, yeah. Two for two with two nice. type. Yeah, but he's still stuck in right field, and so, so it's it's so last week he has a game, and he starts by sitting on the bench because there's ten kids and he's right. still tenth. I'm like, it's the way it is. It's the way yep. it is. The fourth inning comes around and he's uh-huh. sitting again, and I right. walk over. I'm like, buddy, why aren't you out there? He goes, they told me I have to sit. I'm like. No, get your glove. Get out there. You're supposed to be out there. And the other pitcher's warming up, and I see a coach standing on the side. I'm like, is he supposed to be sitting again? He goes, yeah. I'm like, and I walked over to the coach. I'm like, is there something wrong? He goes, no, we only have four outfielders. We have four outfielders today. I'm like, no, you have 10 baseball players. And he goes, oh, the kids are playing the outfield, can't play in the infield. Now, Biff, again, there might be five hits a game. Total, you know, and right, none of right. them are line drives right. that, that are at your head that, you know what right. I mean, that you, that, oh my God, that almost took off the yeah. pitcher's head, you know, nothing. And yeah. so the coach is like, I'm like, yeah, but you know, he can play other positions, put him, you know, he goes, he's not ready to play the infield. I'm like, and he goes, none of the kids in the outfield can play the infield. I'm like, why not? He goes, oh, this is serious baseball, dude. It's nine and 10 year olds. And I don't get mad, but I channel my inner John Taylor. And right. I look to my left, I look to my right, I'm like, I don't see a lot of high school and college coaches here. I don't think it's that serious of baseball. Yeah. And the guy's like, you know, he get eaten alive there. I'm like, oh, he's never played second because he's never played second. You know, and, and the guy's like, you know, fine. It's like, oh, let him sh- I'll show you. He played the next two innings, second base, ball was never hit to him. But, <laughs> but, Biff, he was dialed in. He was uber focused, like I yeah. have not seen. And so since then, he's asked to go and, and do more hitting and, right, and, do, right. and do more fielding. And yeah. it's, it's been it's been fun. It's so the other night he did. He got a game. He got a second game ball and he was so blown away because he made one play in the field because it was only one play to be made the whole game. <laughs> he was three for three with two walks and he stole. For the cycle, Biff. <laughs> he got <laughs> walked. He stole second. He stole third. He stole home on a wild pitch. He stole for the cycle. Got the game ball. And my parenting tip is don't be that dad that thinks your kid is better and should get yeah. more ice time, should get more playing time. But if if he's putting in the work, don't be afraid. Don't also be a doormat yeah. and say, because he was so yeah. embarrassed that I went and talked to the coach. He was so embarrassed. But he saw that, yeah, I'm actually, you know what I mean? If, yeah. he, if, if he wasn't putting in the work and sat a second time, I'd be like, buddy, you know, yeah. it, it is what it is. And now in the game yesterday, um, he batted sixth. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he got on every time. He's got on 12 times in a row. 
He did his second at bat, tried to turn a single into a double and got out. But he mm. 12 times in a row, you know, but he yeah. he would never have that confidence. And again, it's like it's one of my parenting tip is like, look, if they're willing to put in the work, you put in the work. Yeah. And using my parenting tips are, are complete bullshit. And this kind of is. And I didn't embarrass him. I didn't yell at the pa- I didn't yell yeah. at the coach. I, I didn't say it in front of another parent. I also didn't say he should be batting first and pitching next game. Right, right. You know? <laughs> I mean, I didn't say he should be playing yeah. first or shortstop. <laughs> yeah, in, in all fairness, though, I mean, and, and I'm not I'm not saying anything about the your coach or anything like that. It's just that in general, right? Sports are are brutal in that every all, every kid knows where they rank within that team by the virtue of how they're handled, right? Whether it's, you know, if you're playing hockey, if you're on the third and the fourth line, you know what that means, right? If you're if you're in baseball, the position you play, you understand, you know, where your, you know, what your your coach thinks of you based on the position you play, right? I mean, that's, it's all very clear, right? right? And, and the fact that he asked me, and, and so he said like, oh, the coach said, I'm not supposed to use this bat. And it's the same thing. It's like, I, I don't know if hockey's changed where you can't use wooden sticks anymore or something like that. But it's like, <laughs> it wasn't like a league sanctioned bat. And so the other day I had to go to Dick's Sporting Good. And I, I literally hesitated for a nanosecond because it's like, dude, this is a $150 bat. You got five games Oof. left, right? You Oof. got five games left, but yeah. I've not bought them. So, and, and so here's the funny thing. Everybody from H and H F and H has already heard this story for me a hundred times. The Richie Dunn stick story where, right, right. where, you know, uh, he, you know, I forgot my stick showed up the rink. He handed me his stick. He's a foot taller and shoots lefty. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and he's like, I can rain. Grant's going to show up tonight, walk into the woods, get a tree branch, come in here and be the best player. And, and he tells me that in 84 yeah. to the 15 year old jock. And I'm like, Wayne Gretzky could break off a tree branch, come in here and be <laughs> the best player. So my little guy, we go hitting the day after he gets the bat, he gets okay. to the game and I see he has his old bat. I'm like, buddy, why aren't you using the new bat? He goes, I think we left it at the park. And for a nanosecond in my head, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> That didn't come out. I'm like, you know what? We'll call the school because we were playing at a school. I'm like, maybe somebody yeah. turned it in. Don't worry about it, buddy. That game, like I said, he had two. He was either two for two for two yeah. or three for three with a walk yeah. or two for two with two walks. And when we got home and he's, oh, by the way, it was in the bag. But when he reached in, the first bag was the old bat. And he didn't have the presence of mind to say, hey, wonder if there's another bat in there's this bat in bag, you know. So I like to say he's very good looking. But. So I tell I show him the bat afterwards. But when we were telling his mom the story, because I text her saying, I'm just saying this to you. He thinks he lost the hundred and fifty dollar bat. Like, oh no, he had it for a day. And so when we when we found it, you know, it all worked out. But I got to tell him the story. I'm like, hey buddy, those hits today were with the old bat. Because I don't want him to think, oh, I'm now hitting because I got this new bat. No, you're hitting because you've been showing up to the extra practices. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, yeah. and I told him the story, which as soon as I started telling the story, he gave me that, oh, fucking the Richie Dunstick story. 
But it now had relevance because I said, it's like, yep. buddy, this is your story now. I don't yep. want you to ever think you ran faster because of the cleats. You hit the ball because of this bat. You made the catch because yep. of that glove. Can yep. a better equipment help? Of course it can. But you know <laughs> what I mean? It's like, you know, you make a good glove save because you made a good glove save, you know. In it's, theory. It's, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, ironically, ironically, um, uh, equipment matters a lot to me. Uh, as a goalie and not in but kind of in the opposite way because i'm not a modern goalie and so i cannot use like the modern leg pad oh, so i literally i literally have to go out i have backup pads that are like you know whatever you know used 10 15 year old pads the because i cannot special, use the, modern the stuff. ones that get waterlogged after the third period and it's not that bad it's oh. not you know not not like those old leather coopers holy not shit those i don't know how you people right. did that and by you people yeah. i mean goalies not japanese yeah. just to be clear sure, yeah uh, but yeah those pads it's like i don't care where you were playing by the third period they were three times heavier than when you started the game it was it was worse when I was a kid when we were using you know natural like leather stuff right, right. because um, when I went to hockey school in the summer you put the stuff away but then um, we didn't have the we weren't uh, they didn't let us take it out and air it out they said you know you, we just left the stuff like packed in the bus right which was insanity right insanity but and so the you know we literally it would like grow mold overnight. Oh disgusting well, yeah biff thank you for indulging my rant thank you for <laughs> not course. rolling your eyes with the richie don stick story um you know thank thank you you know to, to your son <laughs> who can do a beer run for us next time i'm there now uh for the heads up on invincible i'm glad that you know i already <laughs> watched it but you know hey if that's where his sensibilities are you tell him to keep the tips coming <laughs> yeah i will i will check it out and uh i, I give you the last words well you know I think it's important after you told that story about uh, Tristan and the baseball and all the work you put in. I think it's it's important that uh, you don't forget. Jumping, I threw myself.